0: The truth in this art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today I'm recording, I'm recording in person, I'm recording at the the hallowed halls of a brewery, suspended a uh, brewing company. I'm here with uh, co-owner, brewer, doer of many things at Suspended Brewing Company. We have uh, Josie Swartz. Welcome to the
1: podcast. I'm really excited about this. You have so many uh, wonderful makers and uh, wonderful people on the on the show already that. Um, it's really cool to be sitting down to do this as well. It's, it's I think it's going to be fun. Um, and I'm glad that we're here enjoying some of this. You said this is a Mexican lager. Yeah, this one, uh, <laughs> when you drink as much beer as, as I drink and when you think about beer and make beer all the time, it's really hard to get me excited about things. But when we made our last changes to this, um, we were really excited with them. So this is a Mexican lager that we call trophies and, um, yeah, we, we just recently <laughs> made some changes that we're really pleased with. That's great. Um, and um, so
0: I want to I dive into this, this initial question. Um, give the listeners the
1: vital stats, Describe the work, what's the brewery about and your background on how you really got here? Yeah, so our little tiny brewery, and just you know just to start off, I mean, so like you mentioned, uh, we're a tiny brewery, and we're in Pigtown. Um, We always envisioned kind of being just a community spot, using beer as sort of a vehicle for all of the sort of things that we want to see a lot more of in the world. Um, So, yeah, we were never really sure about what the business model would look like um, at first. I mean, when we first wrote our business plan, it was more of like a hybrid cafe and brewery. So it was going to be more of a cafe thing where... Um, where like we have a good coffee program and then it's like we had a really tiny system where it was like, oh yeah, and also they brew some of their own beer and it was pretty good. Um, And then we tried to open up in Rockville. Um, That, we just had a nightmare, all the nightmare stories that you hear about uh, small business owners struggling with, um, we kind of fell into a lot of those traps and uh, long story short, we couldn't open up there, so the plan was anyway to come up to Baltimore because that's where my two partners, Yasmin and Amir, they, they grew up here. Um, and so I had never changed my residency from uh, before I went to college. My parents live in Montgomery County. So yeah. with alcohol permits, it's kind of tricky. You have to have a resident agent. You have to have had lived in the place for two years prior. You had to be a taxpayer and a lot of other things. Yeah. Um, so anyways, long story short, um, we were going to try to open there, produce there, and then eventually have a place like this in Baltimore. Um, but then didn't work out in Rockville, so we came here in 2016, uh, and we opened this really tiny brewery. And to give people a sense of like just how small we are, um, <laughs> like when Union fills one of their tanks, that's more beer than we'll make all year. Um, what? So we're super tiny. I mean, oh. like I can't stress enough. I mean, it, um, you know, it's not something that you know. It's probably the least interesting fact about us, so we don't talk about it so much. But. Um, but we we really do, we just sort of, uh, we're a values company first, yeah. and so beer is just sort of the vehicle. Uh, I, dig, I dig it. And I'm, I'm looking at the chandeliers in here too, I was like, well, hold on, what are we doing?
0: <laughs> you were talking about the, uh, before we got started, you were talking about the classiness, the accompaniment of
1: beer versus uh, wine at the table, so I'm seeing the chandeliers like right on time, by the way. <laughs> yeah, the, so um, the chandeliers, I mean, like many old buildings in Baltimore that's had former lives. So Uh, to to the best of my knowledge and to the best of the record keeping we could kind of dig up this used to be three row homes and uh, actually the back of this place so it's 100 feet deep and it's about 38 feet wide Mm -hmm. so um, there used to not be that back portion of the brewery where we produce all the beer it's only 900 square feet our production area which is again super tiny Um, and then eventually it got consolidated like a lot of row homes do and uh, there was a big fire in Baltimore that destroyed a lot of records and, you know, maybe record keeping wasn't so great to begin with, but um, there's no, no history of this place uh, until 1993. And it was the playwrights theater of Baltimore. And so that's why a lot of these features that you see are, still reminiscent of a theater because um, we didn't change much. I mean, we really only changed what we needed to. We we knocked down a lot of walls and we kept the chandeliers. Uh, We moved some of them around. The two grandiose ones that are centered over the bar used to be centered on the stage. Um, That's why we still have the marquee there. We still have all the auditorium sconces on the wall. But um, yeah, we tried to, you know, that's kind of the cool thing is that if you look closely enough, the building will tell you some secrets about its past. And uh, we tried to keep a little bit of that character. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, which, again, I'm sorry, brevity is really not, not my enough. specialty at all. <laughs> um, the, the the work we do here, I mean, again, we're, we're values-driven first. Everything that we do is just a way to try to put more of what we see into the world. Uh, part of the reason we wanted to come to Pigtown was for that. There was no breweries here, and um, beer can really be a hub of community. They can be a center of community, and, you know, we've uh, hosted everything from, you know, Weddings, you know, there have been, I think, maybe five or six people that have said I do in this space. Um, And it's so nice to see it all done up. And um, we've celebrated baby showers and bridal showers and happy hours and birthdays and pretty much anything you can think of. Um, So, again, we're uh, a community focused and sort of like, you know, values company that tries to use beer as that kind of vehicle to get that message across. But um, in terms of what we make, um, well, we have a five barrel brew house. Um, we um, make lots of different beers. Um, we have recently kind of uh, settled into making a lot more mixed culture beers. And so that requires a different type of yeast, um, like a different genus called um, which brewers kind of call it a wild yeast. It's found everywhere. And um, so a lot of breweries don't use it because it's very resilient and um, it's not as docile as a regular brewer's yeast. Um, And so the difference is that why we love it so much, in addition to making carbon dioxide and alcohol and um, all the other lovely compounds that brewer's yeast can make, uh, it can make acid. So it can make a um, sort of like Lambic, the Lambic Belgian brewers are the ones that really learn how to lean into that and harness those type of flavors to make a beer pleasantly uh, acidic. Um, And so, yeah, so we try to learn that very rich history and tradition and carry that flag and um, try to lean into these beers that bigger breweries really wouldn't be able to do it as much and in the same way. Um, And so that's that's what we've been leaning into lately. But, you know, again, we're a community brewery. We need to cast a wide net. We need to be able to please a lot of palates. And so um, I like drinking lagers myself. So we make this um, lovely, crispy Mexican lager. Um, We do hoppy beers. In fact, even though we're not what I would call an IPA forward brewery, uh, hoppy beers are about 50% of what we sell, um, which is, you know, it blows my mind every time I see that because I feel like we make so many different things that are not happy beers, but, um, but <clears throat> yeah, we're happy to make whatever makes people happy, and then um, to be able to do the, the mixed culture and the wild stuff on the side is, is like another kind of cool feather in our cap, and we try yeah. to do it too to put a cap in the feather of Maryland beer and Baltimore beer yeah. and just to be able to do something um, that not a lot of other brewers are doing. It, it. What I'm hearing is uh, one, great stuff. <laughs> two,
0: uh, it, it's this. It's almost like this idea when someone's like, "Oh, I'll do two for you, one for me." Is kind of that. Yeah. In terms of like kind of stretching it, and one of the other things I, I've I've heard in there, the community focus, right? So. You know, I shared with you before, uh, I had uh, Sarah on from Mobtown, and I've had uh, uh, Davin on from um, Charm City Books, and that's that's one of those other things. It's like, yeah, we're a business, we're this, but we're a community space. That That is that, that focus there, and that's really important, because you know, Pigtown wasn't always the spot where people were, were coming and hanging out, and it being so close to ballparks and so on, not everyone always felt welcome, so hearing this kind of theme of community, it's really great to hear that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback on that by saying, uh, again, part of the part of the lore of Pigtown was that we, you know, we, we were all UMBC graduates. So, um, we went to UMBC. We have plenty of friends that live in Baltimore. And um, we had a handful of friends that lived in Pigtown. And they kind of um, gave us these insights about how strong the community is here. And, um, and, you know, that was very appealing. And then, again, like 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 we were talking before, yeah. Pig Town is one of the neighborhoods, like so many other neighborhoods in Baltimore, that gets looked over way more times than it should. And, you know, it's like um, we were talking over before. People see all the amenities around Pig Town on a map and think, oh, man, this place is going to blow up. Like yeah. all the universities, the hospitals, the exits and entrances to 95 and 295. And the baseball stadium, and the football stadium, and the you know less than a mile away from downtown, and sure. you know for a long time people really only came here to park for free during game days. <laughs> um, and so you know it's it was really like a no brainer for us when we felt how strong this community was. Um, because although there weren't a litany of businesses that sort of around us to sort of cross-fertilize us and you know it, it's hard it's really hard i mean milk and honey just went out of business next door next to us yeah. i mean and they're a great well-established business i mean it's really 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 hard yeah. to do business here in Pigtown. and um but the good part is that you know the Momtown ballrooms and uh the the charm city books and business owners like that The type of people that it attracts are some of the best people you would ever want to meet. I mean, truly gritty, truly, truly talented, I mean, truly good, and truly trying to offer something to the community. And if you kind of look at um, what all of us do, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of bookstores around. Um, There's not a lot. I mean, I'd. I don't really know of any other dance halls that do Lindy Hop and the Jitterbug, and yeah. you know, do the type of dancing that that Mobtown does, and um, even the type of beer that we do. Um, you know, we do a lot of beers that not a lot of people, um, not a lot of breweries, only really a handful are doing them. Uh, that that's not true, <laughs> but you know, a very small percentage. Sure. There's maybe I think uh, last count our trade association marked nine thousand independent craft breweries. Yeah. And so, you know, there's not a lot of them that are focusing more on mixed culture like us. I dig it,
0: and you see, it's stroking my like quasi elitist, not in a bad way, not in a negative way. It was like mm, exclusive. Yeah, I know the place that has this. <laughs> yeah, this is for me. Um, so, it's, for for those who 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 aren't really getting it, right? Speak on the because. I, so, I, I think that there's this. Balance between entrepreneurs and creatives, and they put themselves into their work, and I really think there is a creative and artistic sensibility here. What, what is the mission um, ultimately for Suspended, and um, how does that connect to you, uh, you know, as the person here?
1: Yeah. Um, again, you know, I don't want to sound really like a broken record here, but um, we are a values company first, and part of what that means is. The mission is to really demonstrate that you can be a business that can do well by doing good. You know, in a world that you know—excuse my language—but that says "fuck you" for trying a lot of times. Um, you know, it's—it's it's a the world is very cold, yeah. and so a lot of times when you look under the hood of a business, it's terrifying to see what you find. You know, you find out that the l- leadership is full of bigots or sexist or chauvinistic people, or yeah. you know, people that just. Don't, don't care about what, what the impact of their business is or anything that comes, that is downstream of them or upstream of them. And so, you know, it's like, it's, it's so important because If you're like me, I don't come from any vast sums of wealth. And so, Everyday Citizen 123, our superpower is doing things consistently every single day. It's looking under the hood of all the products we're buying, of all the businesses we're supporting. Because, you know, even if you're casting your ballot however often, whatever frequency of local or state or even, you know, federal politics, you know, that's just one piece of, you know, the everyday citizen, but we buy things every single day. We put food on our plate you know, two, three, four, five times a day. So, um, so that's the thing, is that as everyday citizen, one, two, three, that's our superpower, is that we get to support companies that are doing work that is in line with our values. And so it not only makes a difference, it makes all the difference if you take a lifetime of that stuff. And a lot of people, too, like, we are um, a nearly waste-neutral company. We specified all electric equipment so that we could buy clean energy and use clean energy. And, um, so people ask me all the time, like I painstakingly rip packing tape and anything off of a box because I know that, uh, so we compost here yeah. and that we can, so we can compost that box. And it takes me a long time. I, I spend a lot of time uh, like with waste management. And people ask me, like, dude, the world is doomed. Nobody, nobody really cares. Like for every one of you, there are countless numbers of other people that literally do not care. And, you know, and I tell people, well, that's exactly why I have to care so much is because most, if most people don't, then, you know, it's like, it's so important to do, it's, it's kind of silly and maybe like unsatisfying of like a philosophy, but you really have to like, from an emotionally sober state, look at yourself and say, well, what can I do? Yeah. Like, what's, what's my impact? Descartes, uh, I believe it's Descartes, he mm. has a saying where he says, before a man tries to conquer the world, he ought to conquer himself. Mm. And there's, it, I think that's so powerful because, you know, there's so many things in the world. I mean, again, it's a cold-ass place. Yes. And it's, a lot of things are upsetting. And when you look into things more, uh, the more open you are to acute suffering. Uh, when you look under the hood of your favorite clothing maker that makes your favorite shirt and you find out that it's made by little kids in Bangalore that don't get a bathroom break, I mean, it's like devastating to see it's everywhere, it's inescapable. Um, you know, if you really understood the carbon footprint of what everything was happening or even the, um, the ecological cost to yeah. society and, you know, about who's really paying the cost of those things, um, you know, some of the poorest people on the world that don't even have building codes and things like that that are really going to feel the impact of yeah. uh, our decisions and the lifestyle that we lead. Again, it's like if you, if you look under the hood, it is rationally depressing. However, um, it's very empowering to know that there is so much that you can do. There's a lot that we can't do, but there's so much that we can do. Absolutely. And,
0: and I like that where you know, values are the important. That's, and that's why I kind of hammered on it. Like, yeah, well, you know, just put it out there because I think a lot of times people miss it. They, they do something because it seems like it's, it's cool, not necessarily here, but just people in general, but not understand why you should do this, why you should buy local, why you should maybe not eat meat and beef and all of it as much as you do because of the impacts that we all are facing. Yeah, you know and that, that notion I agree with is you know fuck you for trying That's that's the thing it's it's a real thing and it's almost like we make fun of effort we make fun of the attempts right. to do something and that should shift that should shift and having that really expressed for the, for the folks that will listen to this maybe they have something like oh this is how I can do that because we hear in a very very like broad thousand foot view, do less of this and so on, but not in which ways. And even something like you, you said there a moment ago, it might feel like ridiculous, but I'm rem- removing tape now. I'm removing yeah. labels. I'm yeah. breaking
1: down those corrugated boxes. It's hard. It's really hard because you have to do all of these things in good faith. You have yeah. to do things, you have to do goodness for goodness sake. And so, you know, um, you know, I guess to tie in a little bit about like why we call ourselves suspended. Yeah. So. There was a practice, uh it's over a hundred years ago now in Italy. So uh I grew up in Italy, uh mostly Italian, I'm also Filipino. And um so Italians are very uh proud to so say first cafe was in Italy, uh in Venice in particular. And so like at the time when um espresso machines were first making their debut, um it was quite a luxury for somebody to make you a cup of coffee. Yeah. And so the practice was, uh, it's called Cafe sospeso, suspended coffee. Um, was that if you were to walk into a coffee shop, you could order one cup of coffee but pay for two, suspending the second for somebody less fortunate. And the the beauty of this is that it's so socially elegant, yeah. right? It wasn't like, hey, you look like me, so I want to help you out. It right. wasn't like, oh, we go to the same church, so I want to help you out. You know, it wasn't wasn't any of these sort of donor-recipient type of dynamic, like, I want to help you because I get this warm glow and it makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to donate money and put my name on this wing of a building or something like that. It was truly paying it forward. You didn't know whom you were going to help. Somebody less fortunate could poke his or her head into the shop, catch the eye of the barista who kept a track behind the bar. And if there was something in suspense, the, the barista would just quietly nod a cup of coffee with the same dignity and serve it like anybody else. And so, you know, again, that's what we're trying to do here. We use clean energy. We're nearly waste neutral. We do really cool things with water efficiency and water conservation. You know, it's like we cry out for some of the social things that bother us and things that we sort of think that we can nudge people in the way that we kind of feel that the world needs to be nudged a little bit. Yeah. And so these are all the things that you can do, and you can do it in a way that's clean and with a smile, and you don't have to put your sympathies on parade and condemn people that don't want to join. Yeah. You know, we can just more or less say, hey, we make a really cool product. Um, we make really cool beer. You should come check it out. And, ho- oh, hey, by the way, here's why you should feel really good about drinking this beer. And so, that's the power. That's the power. We're social creatures. You know, you can intellectualize things all you want, but we are social creatures. And so, for us to be able to tell people directly and indirectly, you know, customers that come up here, other businesses that we work at, like, not only, like... Hey, everyone knows what we should be doing. Everyone mm-hmm. knows we should be getting sleep and we should be eating healthy. And, every, you know, a lot of people know about what's good for us, but it's tough because, again, the world is a cold place and we're all struggling for time. We're all struggling to find, you know, how we fit in and we're struggling to find how we can make things work for ourselves. And so, you know, it's it's very overwhelming to figure out how to do all these things. And so when you break it down and you kind of do things that are... Um, I don't know, more sustainable. You just look for the helpers. You look for the people that are already doing things that are in alignment with your values, and that makes it a lot more palatable. And you don't feel so lonely. It doesn't feel like such a crazy thing to kind of like throw throw stones at you know a big giant or something like that. Yeah, Yeah, and I I think you know the the example
0: that you provided around the etymology of the name that's that's great. The you know suspended coffee that that's that's dope um, because. I think often when someone is doing something that feels they're, they're saying is paying it forward, it's just an ego stroke. And I and I like right. literally, you're like, eh, you know, my name is on this. And, you right. know, really give me credit. Yeah, you know, or you know, only for black people. It's like <laughs> no, whoever yeah. comes in here who's <laughs> under this banner that wants this. Um, so yeah, that's that's big. Um, so I want to ask about this. Uh, so you you've been here and you're in the, you're within the scene, right? So. Describe the food and beverage scene in Baltimore. And from your standpoint, what do we do great and what do you want to see
1: more of? Oof. Uh, I don't. I'd like to just. Cards on the table. I'm uh-huh. vegan. So, you know, my, I have a very uh, self imposed restrictive diet. And so I'm very limited on what I feel like I'm qualified to speak on. <laughs> um, so, and I'm also you know, like many of us, I'm a creature of habit. We have our favorite things to eat and our favorite go-tos and things that kind of work with our lives. Sure. Um, so I honestly eat mostly at moms. <laughs> I eat, <laughs> uh, I eat salads all the time. I think moms and <laughs> naked lunch does salads really, really, really well. That <laughs> well, um, <as> an endorsement. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when I want to treat, I go eat uh, tofu a tofu bra at Eki Ben. Yeah. Uh, when I when I get to re- reward myself, um, I go eat Brussels sprouts at uh, Heritage Kitchen with uh, for for Chef Ray. Yeah. Um, so I really uh, and then Mira Collective um, they just they're so accommodating and they make such delicious food. So um, yeah, I I I don't feel like I'm qualified to speak on the food and beverage scene, uh, but I will say that. Um, you know, the beer scene is is getting so much better, and there's, there's getting, uh, like, in terms of the number of breweries that are coming in, and you see, like, a lot of all boats rising when that happens, you know, because we make a very specialized product, and so it's sort of this micro-silicon valley quasi-cross-fertilization thing yeah. where, you know, um, the... Uh, some friends of our friends at diamondback their mill, their mill burned out and they needed to mill some grain so they came over here one time my barrel my barrel wand broke which is a very specialized tool and they let me borrow theirs um mm-hmm. you know i needed some grain from uh, peabody heights so yeah. i went over there so it's it's just um the whole scene goes up with the addition of new brewers and new breweries and so that that's really exciting for me and um i think you know again you The more you do anything, the better you get at it. And so it's really nice to see so many breweries um, sticking around. And, um, you know, to my knowledge, I don't think any breweries have had to close in Baltimore, which is such a lovely sign. Yes. Um, And then, you know, I I know this isn't really germane to the question. I'm deviating a little bit here. But the beauty and the thing that's so romantic about uh, breweries is that. It used to be the case that there was a brewery in every town because fermentation science wasn't really well understood, and beer and brewing wasn't really well understood, and all of the parts and all of the ways to serve beer and make beer were not sanitary, so beer would spoil very quickly. So you had to to have a brewery um, so you could drink the beer very close to the source and very close after it was brewed. Well, nowadays, we can send beer across the world, thank you very much, and it would be (laughs) quite perfect. Um, and, but yet people are demanding local. When we, when we first got our brewer's license, there was, um, we had just passed the mark, um, from the height of pre prohibition. There was like 3,600 breweries or something like that. Today there are almost 9,000. Wow. I mean, and even the fact that we can make beer beautifully, perfectly, send it all the way around the world. There's refrigerated trucks and super highways and planes that could take it very quickly. Um, yet people are demanding local people, you know, and again, that just sort of speaks to the idea that it's more than beer. that's sort of our our slogan is more than beer because yeah. it's more than a cup of beer. It's 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 values in a glass. It's a time machine in a glass to carry the values um, and tradition of all these historical uh, brewers. And so it's it's neat to see that beer is more or less a vehicle. Yeah. Um, and beer how prominent it is in sort of building communities you see this all around where neighborhoods again just like Big town that are looked over more times than it really should um, breweries coming in and then really making a lot more tenable um, every house that was boarded up on Main Street was flipped within you know a year or two since we got here and every single real estate listing listed uh, yeah right next to a hip new brewery <laughs> and you know and you you wonder all them times like are the things that I'm doing are they worth it does it make a difference uh, and it does, and you just really have to take this leap into faith, knowing that I'm going to do good things, goodness for goodness' sake. Yeah. And you know, you have to trust that other people, if it's kind of worthwhile, they're they're going to want to support you, and they're they're going to they're going to feel that they're they're going to want to be a part of that. And we're really lucky that we have had that.
0: Right. I, and and I think to to maybe piggyback, dovetail, whatever the the saying is. Uh, I, I think that there's a pride in beer too, like. Where whether it's a region thing, whether it's a style thing, like if I go get sushi and they don't have a Sapporo or uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Lisa like uh, what is it, like a support like a Nest or something? A, a, a Hitochino Nest, is like if you don't have it, like I'm judging your place, right? That's just a real thing for me. Man, and that's cold, I, man. That's I, I, cold. That's what I do. So But what I think is you run into those regional things, so people are into it. So when you see these other things that are baked into it, the beliefs of the people that are brewing that, the beliefs of the company, and especially if they're socially responsible and believe in sustainability, that's a plus. You know, and I think that notion of buying local, it's like, oh yeah, no, this is a Baltimore beer, you know, so back at the house... You know, if something has ties to Baltimore, there's always a couple that are sitting in there. I mean, I like my Allagash White, but there's a few that are sitting there. I'm, I'm very pretentious about my beer choices, but this is very good. Um, no, you should be choosy. But I, but I think it's, you know, wherever it connects to. When I go down and I'm having like some New Orleans food or something like that, where's my Abita? You know, and you want to connect and experience with it. But for me, I'm a person that gets dipped. And if I can know more about the company... I'm likely to continue to buy and buy in that way because it's like, I like their values. That matters to me. And, you know, what we've had in this conversation so far is like, this beer is delicious. And in addition to it, you guys are good people. So it's like, no, this is definitely on a
1: purchase list. You know, now that's where it comes. And I think that's how you build that community through beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, just to make a comment earlier, um, yeah. piggybacking is the right word. We're in pig town. So, you know. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, uh, I'm a huge fan of Allagash. I think Allagash is up in the pantheon for me. I mean, they really, you know, even Allagash White, that was such a crazy thought back in the nineties to have your flagship beer be a Belgian wit beer. I mean, that was unheard of. I mean, if you think about sort of the history of beer, um, well, beer is as Old as um, really anything that humans have been doing in, in sort of a concerted effort. I mean, there's a lot of historians that posit with very good evidence, and as a brewer, I'd like to believe it, um, <laughs> that our society looks the way it does because of beer. So that we left a hunter-gatherer scene to cultivate crops yeah. for an agrarian society so that we could grow them for beer. Well, why beer? Why not wine? Why not yeah. mead? Why not you know spirits or something like that? Um, well, when you cultivate crops for beer, um you also have household and staples like bread and soups yeah. and things like that. And so um beer really has been influential. Um and then, you know, just to tie in a little bit more of like our logo. So our our logo is uh it says suspended at the top in cursive. Yeah. And then below it there's um uh hop and then two crossed Um, stalks of barley, and then another hop. Um, And so it's a play off of an old symbol uh, from just a network of symbols. So as the world was moving and you had nomadic people, you had people emigrating, you had people um, like being forced to emigrate, you had people, um, you know, settling. And um, well, there was no Twitter, there was no electronic (laughs) communication. So you had to communicate through symbols. And so they had symbols for... um, whether or not it was safe to camp at a certain spot, or whether or not if a house, um, they would put a symbol out if they would offer like room and board for work or something sure. like that. And so one of the symbols, uh, it was an O, an X, an O with a squiggle on top, um, was that the water was safe to drink. Because again, that was another reason beer was so popular throughout history, because Water was never guaranteed to be free of bacteria. And so, I mean, you know, we kind of laugh about it now, but I mean, water was ratchet. I mean, if you (laughs) drank it and you started feeling some stuff, you know, you could get really, really, really sick. Um, And so if you had drank the water and you didn't die, um, again, it was another example of blind benevolence where you didn't know whom you were going to help. You just put this symbol up because... You drank the water. It was safe. And then even as another play, as sort of like a safe place to drink, I mean, we try to be that as well. Yeah. We try to be extraordinarily welcoming for everybody because, you know, people deserve that. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, as you, as you touched on
0: earlier, uh, the world can be cold. So having places that are, are safe spaces and they're feeling intentional in that way. And it's like, look, are you down for the, for the thing? That's all that we really care about. You know, are you down for, you know, like, are, do you want to be here? That's kind of like the thing at the end of the day and everything else. is just like, that's, that's your business. Come on in, hang out. You know, yeah. this is, this is for community. You're a part of the community.
1: Exactly. You know, and again, you know, like the history of so many crafts and trades and, and businesses, well, you know, brewing is no exception to that. I mean, brewing is really hard. People yeah. say, well, it's not rocket science. And I say, yeah, it's just every other type of science. <laughs> you know, It's chemistry, it's biology, it's microbiology, it's like biochemistry, it's uh, physics. It's, you know, and so uh, having the means to production, yeah. having the means to distribution, having the means to... Um, Get a loan for all this capital equipment. Having being able to get an education in science, you know, all of these were very exclusive to a very particular demographic of persons, and so you know we're conscious of that. You know, like like the history of our country, like the history of so many places. It's really uncomfortable and really despicable in many many spots, and so uh, we try to create an atmosphere that sort of um, well. The The whole industry is largely already built. You know, a lot of white dudes are going to drink beer, no matter what. Yeah, And so we try to build space for all the other marginalized groups that don't really feel included um, when they walk into a brewery. And so I think, you know, that that has been changing quite a bit. Um, and it's really nice to see all the changes. Um, but, you know, we try to, again, try to be part of that small, dedicated group it's, of, of this choir singing very loudly for... Um, things to change. All right, so I
0: have one. Uh, I have one last question for you before I get to those rapid fire questions. While, while we're over here enjoying our beers and sure, you sure. know making a connection here, you know, I feel like we're suddenly become boys here. But what I'm going to do is piss all of that away with okay. these rapid fire questions. Just yeah, so let's you do know. It. So, but I'm going to hit you with this last one first. Yeah education and training is all about rules in my opinion, right? Um, And I find that once you understand the rules, it's easier to break them or revise them. Uh, For you, what are some of the rules that comes to mind for you? Maybe in entrepreneurship, because I understand you said science Mm -hmm. is, is, you know, every science is in in the brewing process or what have you. So when it comes to being an entrepreneur in that space, what are some of those rules or a rule that you were told, this is how you do this. And you're like, I'm not going to do it that way.
1: Yeah, so, uh, well, I myself, like many other breweries, are started by homebrewers, and so think about starting a brewery as a homebrewer is that it's not like when you go to dental school or when you... Um, even go to some sort of vocation for a trade or maybe you're a lawyer and you get a JD and they say, congratulations, you're a lawyer. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like you complete uh, electrician school and they say, congratulations, you're Healer. certified now. Right. There's, there's nothing f- of that for brew. I mean, there's certainly schools that are really nice and, but it's only a really tiny percentage of people that go through. And so imposter syndrome is something that, you know, you're plagued with as just a home brewer because you've only ever been making beer and, you know, a garage and in my case my apartment at the time was too small so I brewed beer in my mother's garage uh, and she, she put up with me so much uh, I clogged up so many pipes and my dad, my poor dad too, but anyways, so as a home brewer you worry too about like man I'm not a real professional, I'm not a real brewer yet and um, you know you find out quickly that really everybody is struggling and everybody is trying to figure things out and um, even though breweries make the same product they do them all in different ways and so I just try to keep in mind uh, that I don't know I mean sanitation is 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 the closest I've come to religion like um, and so you know just trying to have good standard operating practices um, and so that Knowing that we don't have the instrumentation and the tools to be able to verify some of the things that we would like to verify, um, so we just have to have really good practices and have good faith in that. So, yeah. on the brewing side, that really is you know my north star, my guiding light. Yeah. And I think in general, like as an entrepreneur, it's like you just have to understand that business is really, really, really hard. Um, there's a saying that. I really like from uh, F Scott Fitzgerald where he says the telltale sign of first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas in mind at once and give them equal weight. And so as an entrepreneur, you have to know that most businesses fail, but you also have to believe you can make it. Yeah. And so, um I just tell myself that if this is what you want to do for the rest of your life and what I what I do want to do for the rest of my life. I mean, at least now, maybe I'll change, but, um, that you just have to stay on that road long enough. And there was like, there's a great Coolidge quote. I won't even attempt to, uh, (laughs) to try to, to say it, but I'm paraphrasing here where he basically says, look, if you're talented, if you're smart, um, you know, if you're rich, all of these things, it doesn't matter. Like there's plenty of examples of, uh, educated derelicts. There's plenty of, um, he said, uh, unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Yeah. And so he says, look, if you want to do something, if you want to make a difference in something, or you just want to make something, he said, persistence, persistence yeah. alone. The, the slogan, press on, is always solve problems and always will. And so that's just more or less how I feel, is that if I want to keep doing this, I, if I want to get to sort of the steady state and this place that I want to be, I just have to stay on that road long enough. And so that that is maybe the most truncated piece of advice that I could give to any entrepreneurs and one that I try to remind myself of all the time. Great. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, So I want to have one comment about
0: what you were saying as far as they give you, you know, you want to be an electrician, they give you the, I think they give you the buzzer. They give you the buzzer hand (laughs) thing. It's just like, ah, (laughs) now you're an electrician. They shock you. That's what they do. All right. So, now it's time for some rapid-fire <laughs> questions. I got a couple of them for you. Uh, and, um, yeah, let's, let's see. Um, and you know how rapid-fire works. Um, so, excluding your own, which
1: beer has the best branding? I think we, you guys got great branding, by the way. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I Again, probably Allagash. I mean, I really... I think their company culture is amazing top to bottom. The more that you dig into everything that they're doing, even how they handled uh, keeping everybody employed through the, through the pandemic, I mean, Allagash is just um, probably our, our true north uh, when we look at what we should emulate. So I like Allagash a lot. I think their branding is awesome. Um, I think that uh, Jester King also does a really nice job. Yeah. Uh,
0: what's heavily
1: played on your music playlist right now? Uh, a Lot of Code of the Friend. I think I was like in his point zero 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 one top listeners. Okay. So I listened to a Lot of Code of the Friend. Uh, Dijon is a Baltimore artist. Uh, he just started touring with uh, Boney Bear. I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I think it's French. Um, but uh, yeah, he's great. His new album is absolutely fantastic. And then you know, there's that Baltimore provincialism. So he's, he's been on a lot of my playlist. And then, um, when I do like when I'm brewing or doing something active, uh, but listen to a lot of young thubs. <laughs> wow. That's great. That's great. Uh,
0: what do you do on a rainy day? And this is, uh, I got one more after this. What is that one activity on a rainy day?
1: You're like, um, this is what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do what
1: I always do. It's like, uh, <laughs> I'm here, you know, it's like, this is what I do best. So that's why I'm here all the time. And um, I'm just in these four walls. I'm always in these four walls. I'm either, you know, we, I'm in these four walls.
0: <laughs> Lastly, uh, do you have an uncommon or hidden talent? And if so, what is it? You juggle? I feel like you could juggle. You're a juggler, aren't I you? I can walk
1: on my hands really well. Uh, that's, that's I, a thing. I, I wrestled in, in high school and a little bit in college and, um, yeah, I'm very good on my hands. I can walk up steps. I can walk down steps. I can... Uh... Wouldn't expect it not. Yeah. Let's, let's work on brewing on your hands. Let's, let's figure that out. <laughs> let's do some foot brewing. I don't know. Brewing is so hazardous. I'm so clumsy as it is, man. I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> so um, that's pretty much it and all I have for my questions. But I want to
0: thank you for being on this podcast. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the five folks where to check you out, check out
1: Suspended Brewing Company, all of that good stuff. Yeah, so we, uh, like I mentioned, we are still, unfortunately, have limited hours because we're so tiny. Um, We're open Fridays from 4 to 9 p.m. We're open Saturdays from 1 to 8 p.m. And we also distribute to a lot of really cool places. We distribute to Leora and Double Zero, which is a really awesome pair of uh, vegan restaurants on Light Street. We do the house beer. I'm so flattered and so excited that uh, Clavel lets us make their house beer. They have one tap. They have one beer on draft, and they have chose to kind of rock with us, and we're so honored to be able to make that beer. We, we do a really exclusive, cool, Mixed culture beer on tap for them. And it's so exclusive. We don't even have it here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we're, we're on tap there. Uh, we're on tap at the ballroom. Um, we just started distributing to Lighthouse in Canton. Um, we distribute to a lot of really cool places. So, um, yeah, I would say check out our website as to where we distribute to so that if you would like one of our beers, but we're not open, um, you can, uh, you can check us out that way. Otherwise, I really strongly encourage people to come here to the brewery. I mean, the the brewery is like feels good to drink a beer here. We make sure of that. Our staff works really, really, really hard to make sure people really love what they drink. Um, And I know this is supposed to be rapid fire, but the the last thing I'll say is just maybe the coolest compliment we've ever had. We had some people walk in here, and you know, I can kind of tell people I have a blueprint of sort of who's who's been here before, who hasn't. I see him kind of looking around, and uh, so you know, I greet him and I welcome him, like, "Hey, how's it going?" Um, you know, let me know what I can get you. And then uh, they said, "Well, uh, what do you guys have?" And I said, "Oh, well, we're, we're a brewery. We, we make beer." I said, "Oh, okay." Um, and I said, "Is this your first time?" I said, "Yeah." Um, some friends recommended it to us, and I said, "Oh, they didn't tell you it was a brewery?" And they said, "No, they just told us it was a really nice place to hang out." And I think that was maybe. Like, ego aside about the beer, you know, that was the coolest compliment we had ever gotten. And so it feels really good to drink a beer in here. Please come. Um, we would love to have you. Uh, tell them the website and the address. Yeah, suspendedbrewing.com or at 912 Washington Boulevard or in Pigtown. Hello, folks.
0: So <laughs> you have it for um, Josie Schwartz of uh, Suspended Brewing Company. I'm Rob Lee saying there's community and booze in and around Baltimore. <laughs> Gotta look for it, come through. (laughs)